0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: This is the Ruler podcast, supported by Lacquer. Bicycle insurance powered by the community. Hello, welcome to the Ruler Podcast. We're in a rather special location for this edition—the former Battle of Britain Airfield at Biggin Hill in Kent, now known as Biggin Hill Airport. We're guests of Flyer Spitfire, and we may be interrupted by aircraft, including the remarkable sound of the uh, Rolls-Royce Merlin engines on the Spitfires. Uh, so we'll try and uh, we'll try and press on through that. Um, I'm joined by Desire Editor Stuart Clapp, photographer Benedict Campbell, and Condor. Cycles, Claire Beaumont. Um, First of all, though, Stuart, we are a bike racing uh, magazine and podcast. Uh, Why are we at Biggin Hill? Um, That's a good question. So I had this idea, which I've spoke about on the podcast before,
2: about having this sort of slightly British-themed thing. And I thought, what's more British than, you can probably hear that in the background, there's a Spitfire just taking off, than a Spitfire. I got in touch with the guys at flyspitfire.com and uh, they've kindly lent us their hangar, uh, which is full of, um, as he called them, toys. Uh, they're, they're amazing toys though, aren't they? Yeah, and they're worth millions. There's all sorts in there. There's, um, there's I don't know, there's, there's f- five or six Spitfires, I think. Some, some of them are two-seater, which is the fly Spitfire thing, where these guys offer a, a thing where, where you can go up in a Spitfire and take over the controls. Which uh, I haven't managed to blag yet, but the day's not finished yet. Um, and they, there's all sorts of packages you can do. You can fly down to the White Cliffs of Dover and do a, uh, a, a, like what do they call them? The Victory Loop, Victory Roll, yeah. in them. I'd be all over that. Uh, so uh, yeah, but um, no, it's it, it's we're doing this because for this theme that comes out in September, because obviously we have got the world and everything going on in the uk
1: and there is a vague cycling link isn't there because pretty much every london cycling club comes past big hill at some point on a on a weekend don't they because it's right on a really good um, kent cycling route absolutely
2: yeah the guys were saying uh, the, in fact the guy that runs it darren who has been taking care of us all day today like an absolute champ of champs he's a cyclist and so is one of the pilots so uh, they get everywhere, don't they, these cyclists? Do they, I, I've seen them. He was up there earlier flying his Spitfire, two abreast. Um, and uh, we are, we are going to get interrupted again because there's a Spitfire that's coming straight for us. Um, but I'm sure he's seen us. I'm sure he's fine.
1: It's amazing how many times these uh, things have gone up today, isn't it?
2: Yeah, they reckon daily you're looking at about 10 flights, um, possibly more. And then at, at the weekend, you can, they can expect 14 flights. But it's quite busy now because they've got both, both the Spitfires out and they're taking people up. And I'll tell you something, it's like that, that sound. I mean, we've been here all day and every time the Spitfire comes in, we stop stopped what we're doing and gone over and gone and just watched it. And listened And listened to, yeah. li- li- listen to that plane. And it's quite strangely emotional. And I, I, I can't, I don't really understand why, because, I mean, I have no, I mean, I, I guess it's because we were saying earlier about building airfix kits of them, but um, an older chap got off, the, got out of the plane earlier, and uh, he just broke down, he just started crying, and his, his wife went over and hugged him, and I was like, yeah, you let it out, mate. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite quite emotional, but, um, yeah, fantastic. I'm not really
1: sure how we're going to beat this shoot, to be honest. We'll have to go to NASA or something next, won't we? I think so. Anyway, we've cheapened the whole thing by bringing leather bikes along and Mm. uh, getting people to wear lycra around the place. Um, uh, Has it gone well? Yeah. I think... uh, uh, To be
2: honest, Benedict's probably the best person to answer that question because my job is to get everything here, get it it in a sort of... Give Benedict the paints, right? And then, then he creates the pictures. So, um...
3: Yeah, he's he's probably a better person to ask. Did it go all right today? It went fantastically. We really worked the guys, and it sort of changes quickly. It was all go, go, go. We had to uh, shoot in between Spitfires coming in and out. So it's never been a dull moment today at all. But it's a brilliant location, there's... So many things you can use.
1: So when you arrive somewhere like this, and it is an amazing location, because you've obviously got the airfield, you've got the actual sort of um, airport itself, and then there's a, like a whole uh, ex-RAF camp on one side, isn't there? L- everywhere you look, there's something photogenic. But when you arrive here as a photographer, what, do you, what are you looking for?
3: Um, I try not to think. If I try to preconcept what I think will be here, that is a mistake a lot of photographers make, is they, they kind of have a fixed idea what they're going to do. So I try and keep a completely open mind. I don't rush into it. I have a sort of walk around, uh, have a look what's here. So I, the worst thing to do is to rush into something and then see something later on that you thought, ah, oh, that would be much better. So, you know, are we, I came here, had a look round, and fantastically... The guy that helped us was a cyclist and had seen what we'd done. So he totally understood when I sort of suggested things like hanging bikes off props and, you know, he'd already thought that I might be up to something like that. So he either quashed it or he, if it was safe, he let me do crazy stuff here.
1: Yeah, 'cause because you were uh, a little while ago. You were um, photographing bikes with millions of pounds worth of uh, racehorse, and now it's millions of pounds worth of uh, of fighter aircraft.
2: That's an interesting one, because these guys aren't precious. You you can't you we you know we we couldn't put a, our model on a racehorse, but they are so chilled. Did you get that when they, when they came in? They were like, yeah, just yeah. If you want to put a bike on there, do whatever. These these are like these are working aircraft and there's nothing that we could do by hanging a bike off it that's going to break it this thing has to fly
3: you know well uh, the interesting thing is that the emotion for us this morning when we started shooting here was a little like photographing a really famous person that you admire and you're slight you have to try and switch off from that fan boy sort of feeling and go into kind of like just cold-hearted sort of work mode And this was exactly the feeling that I had here. You know, part of me is just like in awe of these machines and the sound and everything happening. But, you know, I'm struggling with a kind of like focus on what we've got to do and how we can do it best. And I almost had a talk to myself in the car before I got out, saying, right, just focus on the pictures. Don't get too excited. And then I met Stu and then it all fell apart a bit
2: i I was a mess this morning i was so excited and then when i heard you go come on focus because it's so easy you look around and you go oh there's steve mcqueen's jeep or there's the jeep from that brad pitt drove in in fury i was a hurricane i hadn't spotted the hurricane it's just tucked away poor 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 hurricane does does get a bit he do he do get forgotten but you know um more more kills than a spitfire apparently and um but yeah there's there's it really is quite mind-blowing there's more stuff in there there's there's all the, the the sort of scooters and bikes they used to drop like the d-day landings all the stuff that came out they've they've got the original scooters and stuff from back there where they and they all work everything works that's what he was trying to get at he said it's there's, a real working museum there's so museum. much
3: hidden stuff here it's really it was quite painful just to shoot you know and think that all the stuff i didn't shoot i could have shot
1: Clear, it looks as though some of the emotion of this uh, moment is passing you by. Oh, it's because <laughs> is I it a bloke thing?
4: No, I don't, I, when you said, Oh, we're going to meet here at the at the uh, Beacon Hill, I was like, Yes, this is the best one. No, not a cafe or something. I get to go and have a look at a Spitfire because a Spitfire is a Spitfire and there aren't that many. And uh, yeah, and I just, uh, we were just walking over to do this podcast and the Spitfire was about to take off, and then I stopped and started videoing. And you were all like, "We've got to, we've got to start the podcast, guys!" I was like, "Oh, well, let me just video this. It's really loud. It like makes your heart thump a bit, you know? Actually, like a bit like when you hear like a really throaty like Ferrari and a classic Ferrari or something as well. That like, those engines are just real engines.
2: It's, yeah, it's that sound. It's there's like we're saying like if." I've been in the garden or something like Ben was saying the other day about the Lancaster going over and you hear those engines and you oh, stop what you're doing and go right where is it and you start looking up like trying to see the aeroplane And but to be that close because it is quite a privilege to be that close to them because Well pushing you, them
3: around Yeah I never yeah, I'd thought it one I'd point be pushing, pushing the Spitfire around No,
2: no, uh, no not at all, climbing over its wings and all this stuff to, to get a shot but
1: Anyway, amazing. we're here to talk about bikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> bikes. Yeah, um, Claire, 70 years of Condor last year, amazing sort of, um, amazing record for a, you know, a, what started as a small London bike shop. How's the 71st year going? How is the bike business at the moment?
4: Um, I can only speak from Condor, and uh, the 71st year is going very well. 70th year was a really great year. We had so many compliments about 70 years of Condor, and we ran a little um, festival ride which we had a lot of people attend. But Monty passed away, he, he founded Condor. So it was like a double edged sword. We had a great celebration, and then we had to say goodbye to Monty. But um, we have a new managing director, which is Monty's grandson. And so the, the 71st year is quite, we've, we've achieved a lot already. And we've got a lot of new products that we've been working really hard on to to launch it in September and sort of get there. We've done we've done our first like collaboration with a with um, a clothing brand, uh, t- and that's our, our new gravel product. Uh, and that's gone really well. We've really liked the results. So I don't want to say too much because we're still working on it really hard. We're like so excited. And it's like you know when you are doing a project and you just want to turn up every day. You want to make it right you want to just keep going until you get the product that's what you've set out to do um that's that's every day right now and and Condor's only like a small number of people so I feel like we get it we get it done but we're only small so we can't do it as quickly as like I don't know a big bright brand where they'd have like different teams working on gravel working on road working on carbons but
1: how do you compete then with, you know, those the giant multinational uh, companies who are getting yeah, everything built in Taiwan and everything designed, you know, uh, across the globe? How does a small London-based brand compete at that level?
4: You've got to have a bit of patience because you can only make one dropout at a time or you could, we were um, wanting to maybe have um, a dropout, maybe a British company and we were, you have to wait and that's like sometimes a bit frustrating because you just want to wanna launch something right now because everybody else in the world is already doing it. But at the same time, you don't want to make a mistake. So you kind of, Seb is very good to saying like, sorry, Seb is our managing director. It's like, just, you know, we'll get there, we'll get there. Just keep, you know, just keep ticking over, keep working on it, keep pushing on it. Um, and I think if you've got the right people with the right attitude towards getting something right, you kind of... Um, end up with um a product that that is okay you just have to be patient unfortunately we've had to make our customers be patient as well a lot of them were like when are you making this disc specific steel bike and we're like yeah we're just we're just nearly there we don't want to launch something that's not right but the disc specific steel bike is coming
1: so in terms of the market is it disc uh, bikes and gravel bikes that are the yeah you know, the, the big thing that people are interested in
4: yeah absolutely i think gravel um has just gone crazy it's just very popular i think it's because of the versatility uh and and um actually like people say gravel more than they say cyclos i come from cyclocross background well i was going
1: to say you're a very good cyclocross uh racer you know, you've got a um uh, spent many years racing cyclocross. do you get gravel do you get what it's for
4: when i used to ride some routes that are now designated gravel, I was just doing it on like a road bike with 25 tyres and thinking this is fine, the mud is going in my mudguard a bit weird, so I'll have to dig that out later, but I can see that um, I'm not I'm I'm maybe not as precious as some people who have really nice carbon bikes, I was just riding like an aluminium winter bike on this stuff. And I can understand, like, it's not quite right, and it is a bit sketchy, but that's why I love it, because it's a bit dangerous. It's a bit, you know, feel a bit of jeopardy going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, this, a gravel bike is better for what you need it for, and, and, there's, and you can get nice slick tyres, you can go on the road and all this, whereas I was trying to ride my cyclocross bike on the road and just, like, running out of gears, trying to keep up with people uh, and stuff like that, so... I don't have a gravel bike, but that's because I have four cyclocross bikes. I'll make do for now, I think, yeah. But I do get discs, and I, I know there's people that are, I don't like discs. Um, well, disc on
1: the road? Disc
4: on the road, yeah. D- um, uh, there are people who are really against discs still, and there was a time when I was like, oh, is, is it really necessary? I mean, I can stop just fine. But I I've been riding with discs now for quite some time, and I... I just really enjoy it. The effort, you know, when you get to the end of like a six hour ride and you're like, oh, stopping in in traffic, oh, stopping. The disc just makes life a bit easier. And you're like, your your shoulders are hurting because you've been really trying and pulling the bike around. And then you're like, oh, stopping. You know that feeling? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about if you don't live in central London. Yeah. Uh, And then you're like, oh, it's traffic. I always forget.
2: about when I lived in central London and that's a really interesting point because I live somewhere where it's very flat so the point of having discs around there is like Pfft. but I forget I lived in London and and to, you know riding around there braking is quite handy yeah. I'd imagine and coming as you're right coming back from a long ride if, if you're that if you're that pitted it's quite nice to have every little help you you can get
4: yeah just get and me then, home sometimes you know it can just it, i mean we're sitting in a really sunny hangar right now i'm really hot and but it could rain you know this is england and uh you know then, then the brakes are really good like on disc bikes and you gotta i've gotta go down big and hill next on my way home discs are just a bit of a luxury i'm sorry all the disc hate it. Disc is out there. Do you,
1: do you uh, race cross with discs?
4: Yeah, I've done so for quite some time. Because
1: um, I remember talking to a really good uh, cross racer who I know about a year or so ago, who still rides with conventional rim brakes. And he was saying, You know, I've never finished a cross race and thought, Oh, I wish I had more brakes. You know, it's the but but they are slowly being well, accepted, aren't they?
4: Definitely. You don't need to stop in cyclops if you're stopping. You're not flowing through the corner and you're putting more energy into coming out of every corner. Basically, you're doing micro sprints too much. I like the disc because it gave me more clearance. I remember there was a national trophy race I did. It was so muddy. And I was doing half lap changes on my cantilever bike because the mud was just getting in there, stopping my wheel from turning. As soon as I got on the, the disc bike, I was doing a lap and a half without needing to change. And that was the difference. I just needed to remember not to grab the brakes too much and slow myself down that way. Uh, it's good, a cantilever brakes make you ride fast and a bit on the edge because you're not stopping with those things. But at the same time, I needed to stop because the mud was everywhere. So that's where I find the advantage of, of those in that kind of race. Uh, on the road, uh, I'm not sure, in a, I, I, you need to ask like a pro cyclist in there. In a, in a domestic race or a world tour race how, how the discs affect their like riding I'm not sure I haven't actually read anything from the from pro riders how they think of discs I only ever read the reports like a disc in my arm this has gone really badly it's cut my shoe
1: You're listening to The Ruler Podcast supported by LACA bicycle insurance powered by the community
0: My name is Rupert Englander um, I'm a self confessed mammal and uh, I've been a member of LACA since probably about January last year funny enough I literally had to make my first claim last week, I had an off on the way back from work, nothing serious thankfully but I managed to sort of break the hub in my rear wheel and derailleur got bent and so on and I tore the saddle and the guys at LACA have been astonishing, I mean I literally I submitted a claim which is just you, you take a photo a couple of photos and a, a video of what's happened, so this was after hours obviously I was commuting home so I didn't expect to hear anything until at least the next day I think it was about 20 minutes, actually, of the actual claim going in, ordered a saddle that night. He's been working with a company called Von Crank, who have actually got my bike now and are are actually fixing it up and will deliver it back to me in full working mode uh, tomorrow. It's a bit like having a mate when you say, look, oh, something's happened and, uh, you know, I've broken the bike or whatever. And they go, right, do nothing. Don't worry about it. I'll sort it for you. So um, I've been really impressed with the, um, the service I've received as a result of it.
1: And you can find out more about Laka's unique approach to bicycle insurance by going to their website, laka.co.uk. Any interest in e-bikes from the customers?
4: Yeah. Um, we've, we, actually, we only sell at one other bike in the, Brom- in the Condor store, and that's a Brompton Electric bike very popular even though they're very expensive and they've got a um a battery that sits on and it just does the work for you but we're looking at technology where it's a it's um an assist within the frame and that's that's primarily for people who are say wanting to go on the club run but they're a little bit older their knees start to hurt or you know they just feel like they can't go out on the club run anymore what they're basically like Stop from doing their favourite sport that they've done for 30, 50 years. So that's, that's why we're looking at that. And I know that there are already bike brands that have got some really nice products out there. And a lot of people, I mean, if Sean Yates is riding an e-bike, well, it's fine then, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good benchmark. But you're right, you're absolutely right. Why, why should people give up something that, that they, they want to do? You know, you, you don't have to now. You can carry on doing it with aches and pains and all this. I'm with you.
1: Yeah, I quite agree. And, 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 but uh, people have been saying that the sort of big British bike boom is coming to an end, and they've been saying that for quite some while. Is there any sign of that, do you think?
4: I think potentially the boom has happened, and maybe everybody overthought it. I think if you bought a five-grand bike, or a ten-grand bike, or if you got loads of lovely kit five years ago, you don't need to buy any more for now because it's really good stuff. So um, it's not the end; it's just a cycle, and we're all in a bit of a cycle. We need to replace things as we do, and you know we need to upgrade when when it's running out. We need to you know, go to a foreign country and enjoy all the climbs and different um, adventures, and then and then you realise the limitations of your kit, and then you get some more. But like piling it on all the time, yeah, people aren't going to keep buying. I think you've got. I think I think at Condor we were very aware of that. And try not to push and push and new technology, new technology, new product, new colour, new this. Uh, but I think maybe some others maybe overthought it.
1: And for the first time in uh, a good few years, there's no Condor Pro team, uh, is there? Um, has that had much uh, impact? And presumably, that's also a reflection of the of the economy and uh, and the cost of running a protein now.
4: Yeah, the cost of running JLT became uh, JLT Condor uh, became just a bit overwhelming i think for a single bike store small manufacturer like condor um what jlt helped the team achieve was amazing and and they stayed in the sport for 6 years and they started small and they got bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger. and they and they wanted they they're a company that are full of winners and they want to be the best so our original model which was like people taking people like Hugh Carthy taking them and sending them to these young um, these young people off to Tour Japan and like USA Pro Challenge that was our aim but when you get a, a company like GL2 who want to be winners then it's difficult to tell a story where you say well that guy finished eighth and they're like well what does that mean um, but so they wanted to a team of winners and you can only sustain winning for so long before it gets a bit boring and that's, I think, what happened. And then also were, um they merged with another company. And, and the company thought, what? what is this? What is this cycling? And, and I think in, company, in sponsorship, you need people that understand cycling. And cycling sometimes can't you know, mean much to people. Um, for Condor, it was such a pull. It was really good. It gave us a pedigree. We've done pro cycling since 1948. That was Monty's first thing. He thought, how do I tell the cycle community I know about racing? I'll do a cycle team and I'll go to cycle races and do neutral service. So we've had it every decade. Um, so for now, it's a bit weird because we've got like a void in, in something that we've always had, but we're looking to do more, but maybe at a lower level because it, it did become like too overwhelming. I think we didn't, maybe there's something missing in cycling at, uh, from, Brit- from British cycling or from the Federation that they could maybe support somehow. I, I don't know because I don't have the answer.
1: There's a wider issue with British yeah. domestic racing, isn't there, and British cycling, and how it supports it, and maybe grassroots uh, racing. Things like uh, crit racing or you know a grassroots cyclocross are the um, maybe part of the answer.
4: Yeah, I mean we had pro, a Pro Continental team, and it was not. Um gel we could never achieve that and then and then yeah obviously when and then we aqua blue and they went it's something at that pro continental level maybe british cycling could do something there as the next step on from in your sky or maybe we could have they could i don't know this is spy in the sky dreams but like one world tour two pro pro conti free continental and it somehow slots together somehow that would be like we can be a super nation of cycling but yeah we you just kind of feel like you were on your own when you were running GLT Condor, and you're sort of up against British Cycling's own team, and it all just went a bit. Yeah, it was difficult for us to sort of show the sponsor what we were getting um, as well. I, I don't have the answer. I wish I did. I don't even think anyone has no, the answer. No, I don't think
1: anyone does at the moment, do they? Um, so, uh, from today, favourite bit of kit, Stuart.
2: If I said the Condor, it's going to sound. sound <laughs> slightly oh. nice. No, going to. The
1: Condor uh, was really. No, it's, it's very the Condor nice. is lovely, isn't it? But yeah.
2: there's something I can't talk about yet, which was quite exciting to see. You have to wait until the magazine comes out. What other bits of kit we add in? Oh, Albion kit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hey, I like Hang that. on. I, I knew like there was something Ooh, else. Yeah. Albion. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, really lo- lovely kit. Um, in fact, as I do, I do this quite a lot, right? So people go, how do you, how do you hear about them? So social media and Instagram, things like these. So I spend quite a lot of time flicking through, wearing my index out of my right thumb, thumbing through it. And they, I came across them a little while ago and went, "I'm going to get them in." But sometimes you kind of have to wait because we've got it's it's sort of not. Oh, I don't want to say victim of his own success, but we we, we get a lot of a lot of kit. What, in people want to put it in there and then i have to find the right opportunity and the albion kit um was wicked the colors are fantastic and they've done this like my wife always laughs at me because i can't pronounce it khaki
1: khaki
3: khaki see yeah.
2: whenever i say it i say khaki and my wife laughs she goes it's not khaki that's how you open the door right anyway it's so uh, khaki khaki that's not khaki khaki no. Right, so anyway, they got that, and obviously that long sleeve jersey that I got in with with this kit. Purple cap. And a purple cap. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Ben looked lovely in it. Ben was our model today, Ben Spurrier. Thanks, Ben. And Kat. She did a
3: great job. They were very good.
2: Um, Is that what else? I liked everything, to be honest. I thought this
3: was particularly good. Yeah, it was quite... Sort of focused again, shall I say, we'll try, focused yeah, selection tried. of kit. I must admit, I'm, I don't care. The Condor was pretty lovely.
1: And this is the steel framed disc mm. bike. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: The spoon, we, we had a spoon customs, like hand built framing. They're as well, always really which good. Very pretty. And it had like this satin so blue f- finish. Yeah. It looked like you'd dig your nail in it and yeah, it'd be like soft. A
3: m- super matte. Yeah. Super uh, like cobalt blue. Yeah. Iridescent colour, very unusual. Yeah. Very, very unusual colour. I, I hope it, it I comes out in the photograph how it looked in real life.
2: I heard him talking to the guys about the Spitfire. He's, apparently
3: yep. he he's
2: he was he was uh, already eyeing up some yeah, some okay. colour palette that he'd seen inside one of the Spitfires and I
3: was like And I think that's when Stu should stop talking. Stop talking.
2: <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say which colours they were
3: no, it's, uh, yeah. it's a, If for someone, anyone, it's a dream around here. There's so yeah, much inspiration. And he yeah. was definitely big eyes. Oh, man. the colours yeah. and the things going on. He was
2: supposed to have been here for 10 minutes, dropping off a bike. We were shooting it and then it was going to go. And the guys guys from Spoon were like here for about an hour, just looking at bits of aeroplane. It was, uh, yeah. But it's been like that today. I do feel, I feel like emotionally drained. It feels like I've watched yeah. Titanic again you <laughs> should have gone
4: Saving Private
2: Ryan Saving Private Ryan yes, again
4: that's it, yeah.
2: yeah or was, what was the one with Harry Styles in it Dunkirk
4: oh that was intense that movie wasn't oh, it oh it
2: was intense yeah that was a good
3: Spitfire film
1: yeah. that's it from Biggin Hill and that's it from uh, this podcast uh, Stuart Claire Beaumont and uh, Benedict Campbell uh, thanks to Flyer Spitfire for looking after us I think we're going to finish just before the next one lands so that's it from this podcast uh, we'll catch up again in August